Doing good. Are you caffeinated, ready to go? Okay, okay. How's this section doing? Are you guys caffeinated, ready to go? Okay, okay. What about this section right here? Let's see. Okay, okay. What about this section right over here? Okay, I'm going to preach to that section just for today. Just going to move everything. <laughs> no, it's so good to be with you. Excited to wrap up our series. Uh, God is been so cool. But before we jump in, want to welcome all those watching online. We want to put our hands together for you because we love you. So everybody, come on, let's clap for those watching online. So cool. Hey, and I know we mentioned it in the announcements, but I just want to reference Summer at Summit Park. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be fabulous. And I'm really looking forward to the sweet treats. You want to know why? For a year and a half, I have been vegan, but I recently have broken that. I said no more vegan. I've had Christian chicken. I've had KC barbecue. I've had all kinds of goodness, and it's been amazing. And I'm hoping one of those sweet treats is going to be dairy, okay? They're going to have some kind of dairy in it because vegans can't have that. Here's the reality. I might not live as long, but I'm going to be happy, okay? I'm going to be, I'm going to be in my coffin smiling, holding some beef jerky, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be great. So come out for summer at Summer Park, be an awesome time. Hey, we have been covering in this series different names of God, and they've been experiences that people in the Bible have had with God, and from that experience, they leave God with a name based on what they went through and what they experienced with God. With God. And so this is a really cool opportunity for us to finish this series up because we're talking about Jehovah Mkadesh. Everybody say Mkadesh. Okay, it's kind of weird to say in English, but that's what it is. It's Mkadesh, and it means the Lord who sanctifies, or the Lord who makes you holy. And uh, by just way of illustration, we're going to be talking about some just uh, related to some investing, because we want you to invest your life, and this kind of relates to this, this whole idea. But um, I want to tell you a story about when I was in high school, I, uh, I came across an inheritance, okay, came across an inheritance, and it was about $26,000, okay, so it was like a significant amount of money, even today, significant amount of money, and so um, I, got, I got that money, and I, I, I figured out today, I was like, you know, what if I had invested that money in the S&P 500, so in the stock market, what would it be worth today, and I figured it up, it would be worth a little over a million dollars today. If I hadn't contributed a dime, like I hadn't monthly, like I just put it in there and forgot about it, left it in there, it'd be worth a little over a million dollars today. People, I could buy a whole month's worth of gas for that. I mean, <laughs> think about what I could do. Then I figured out, if I had just left it in there, hadn't contributed anything, just left it in there, then when I'm 65, it'd be worth almost $5 million. If I had just left it, you know, no, let me just tell you this. Guess how much I invested? Zero. Guess how much I spent? All of it. Yes, I made a big, big mistake. Today, I want to talk to you about investing your life with God. Investing your life with God. You know, we can make a lot of mistakes. We can make a lot of mistakes and have some regrets when it comes to retirement. Have some regrets maybe with when it comes to choosing a certain career. Have some regrets on some other things. But here's the thing. You do not want to regret investing your life in God. Don't make that regret. So we're looking at this name, Kadesh, and it's actually found in uh, Leviticus. So it's the third book of the Bible. You probably 
Um, our, don't read that in your daily devotion too often. Uh, but it's in Leviticus, and we actually have been getting a lot of these names around this space in the Bible because this is where the Israelites had come up out of Egypt, been delivered, and, and now they're no longer slaves. Now they're the people of God. And as they're having experiences with God, they're figuring out who God is. So this is one of the instances where they're figuring out who God is. Again, it's found in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. And if you're ready, say, I am. Okay, here's what it says. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. So again, this is said in the context of the Israelites have come up out of Egypt, and now they're learning, they're growing, they're developing. Hopefully they're investing in their relationship with God. They're learning who God is. And so now they've been delivered from Egypt. Now that now God has delivered the Israelites up out of Egypt, but now God is going to spend 40 years taking Egypt out of the Israelites. He's working with them. He's helping them. He's helping them to realize who God is and what he wants to do in their hearts and lives. And so then he says this verse. He says, "Consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart." And because I am the Lord, your God. And then he says, I am the Lord who makes you holy. This is where we get Jehovah Mkadesh. Okay, this is that name that they then give God. Now, as we jump into this, the whole idea of being made holy or sanctification or becoming like God is different than salvation. So I just want to make that really clear up front that God does all the work with salvation, right? Jesus finished the work on the cross, and all we have to do is put our faith in him. It's a free gift. I can't buy it. I can't do good works to get it. Like, it's a free gift, and I accept it by faith. But once you're saved, now God wants to do something in your life. Now God wants you to develop. He wants you to become more holy. He wants you to become more like him. In fact, that first song that we sang, going from glory to glory, that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, to where it talks about us being transformed, going from glory to glory to glory, becoming more like Christ. So that was God's desire for the Israelites. So that's why he says this verse in Leviticus 20. But it's also his desire for us today. That's the whole re reason Jesus came, so that we might be forgiven and have relationship with him. But there's time between the time you get saved and then you're going to heaven when we're going to be perfect forever. There's a space between the moment I gave my life to Christ 20 years ago and then where I am now and where I'm going to be one day. So the question is, what, what happens? Like, what do we do? Well, this is that whole idea. This is the idea that God wants to transform us. God wants to make us more like him. You know, the Adam and Eve at the beginning, they were made in God's image and we're all made in God's image. But unfortunately, sin has messed that up. Like a beautiful painting, the enemy has come along and smeared that painting. But now what, through the cross of what Jesus has done, now there's opportunity for us now to be transformed back into the image of Christ now. So Jesus came on the earth. He walked around. He lived. He, he showed us what it meant to be like God. And now what God is doing is he's taking us and he's transforming us back into the image of Christ. That's what sanctification is. That's what this whole idea that we're talking about today is. But that's different than salvation. Salvation is a free gift. But now once you're saved, now what does God want to do? He wants to trans 
transform us. He wants to make us new. He did that in the Old Testament, and he wants to do that for us today. Okay, so, but there's something that's really important. Before we dive into the points here, there's a really important distinction. I, I mentioned the whole salvation thing because that is something we put our faith in God. That's on, on him. But if you look closely in this verse in Leviticus chapter 20, you can pull that back up on the screen. Leviticus 20 says, so set yourselves apart to be holy. So set yourselves apart to be holy. So who's doing the setting apart? It's us, right? He says, set yourself apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Now verse 8, keep all my decrees, putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Kadesh, okay, is the, the word there. Again, that, that name that we're looking at today. So now it's God that's doing it. So, so who's actually accomplishing this? This whole idea, this process of an investing our lives and God transforming us and, and changing us into his image. Well, it's, it's me and it's God. Salvation's God. Like, oh, that's all him. I put my faith in him. It's a free gift of salvation. But now that I'm saved, now I get to invest. And God wants, I invest, now God invests. And so we're working together. In fact, you can see this in the New Testament. So it's not just in Leviticus. It's actually all over the Bible. But if you go to the New Testament, you see this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now I am away. It is even more important. Listen to this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. It's saying you need to work. Work hard to show that, hey, not to earn salvation, but that you are actually saved. You should work hard, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the, the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So who's working? Well, it's me. Who's also working? It's God. You know, you think about this in a, in a healthy marriage. Okay, wives, ladies, get ready to respond here. Should it just be the wife working on the marriage? That was your, oh, there were some strong no's there. There was, there was some, some, I think some of the wives turned their husbands like, no. Listen to that preacher up there. <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to put you in that same spot, okay? I, I love you. I'm not going to put you in that same spot. But no, it's both, okay? It's not just the wives. It's not just the husbands. It's both of them working together on a healthy marriage. It's both of them working together. You know, when you think about a retirement match program with an employer. I mean, if you've, you've got one of those, you know, 77% of Americans contribute to a match program uh, if they have it offered through their employer. And so who's, who's contributing to retirement in that situation? Well, it's the employee and it's the employer. They're both working together to do that. My wife and I, we, we've talked to, we got, our kids are, are 12 and 10, and we, we talked about, okay, when we get them a car, like what are we going to do? We talked about doing a, a match dollar for dollar. So we contribute a dollar and they contribute a dollar. We contribute $10, they con contribute $10 to buy a car for them. So at the end of that, whose car would it be? It's mine. It's mine. It's, it's totally 100% my, my car. <laughs> That's how it's going to be. But, but no, no, I'm kidding. They'll work, they'll work at Chick-fil-A or Chipotle or something like that. They're going to earn some money, and, and they're gonna, we're both going to contribute to it. And so it is with your relationship with God. But now that you're saved, now for him to make you holy, it's going to require your effort and God's effort. The good news is that God will always do his part, but it's just up, for, up to us for us to do our part. That he wants to make us holy. He wants to transform our hearts. 
but it's up to us to say what we contribute to that. Okay, so I want to give you three points today. I'm going to give you three points today as it relates to, and they're going to sound like investment advice, okay? But they're going to be for investing in, we'll call it glory, okay? We're going to call it glory, not gold, okay? So not money. But so we're going to be talking about investing in your relationship with God. Okay, we're going to pull these up on the screen. Here they are. Number one, start investing today. Start investing today. Number two, avoid penalty. You want to avoid the penalty. And number three, don't sell out when times are tough. Don't sell out when times are tough. All right, turn to at least three people and tell them, it's time to invest. Go on, tell them right now, it's time to invest. All right, the first one here, start investing today. Start investing today. So James chapter 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I mean, literally, that's the first match program right there. <laughs> contribute, contribute some of your life, God's going to be like, well, I'll contribute back to you. You're going to give a little bit, then he's going to give a little bit. You're going to give a lot of bit, he's going to give a lot of bit. Literally, that's how God works. When you lean into God, when you seek after God, God's going to meet you right where you are. In fact, that's what he desires for all of us to do. Now that we know him, now that we're his children, if we've believed in Jesus, you've trusted in him, you've experienced salvation, now what he wants us to do is now start drawing near to him. Because when we do that, then he's going to draw near to us. And this, this is that whole idea of investing. You're investing your life. And as you do that, you can know it's not going to be in vain. That God is going to invest right back into you. That he's going to help you. Now I want to give you, I give you a couple verses here on, on this whole idea from the New Testament. Because really there's nothing, again, there's nothing more important than this. You know, you think if we, we invest in retirement, we make sacrifices today, we contribute from our paychecks so that we have retirement later. I mean, how much more is important our spiritual retirement? How much more important is our soul? And so how much more important is our walk with God? And that's what this is all about. It's investing now so God can take us on a journey. We can go from glory to glory and let him transform us. So let me give you some verses from the New Testament. Here's one of them, uh, 1 Timothy 4.8. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, Now physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Okay, so, so if, do, you, do you work out? Do you, do you go running? Do you go biking? Hey, that's awesome. That's great. Hey, that has some value. The Bible even acknowledges that. That's, that's a good thing. But as you invest in your relationship with God, as you become more godly, godly is just a, an adverb, it's, a, it's a, an adjective for the idea of becoming like God. You're reflecting God. And as you do that, you become more godly. It holds promise for this life, the Bible says, and for the life to come. Okay, so let's give you some examples here uh, for this life. You know, think about it a second. If you're married and your husband and you're a godly husband, okay, you've worked on that process, you've invested your life, that's obviously going to have some impacts on your family in a positive way, right? You know, that's going to be, that's going to be good for your, your family. That's going to be good for your marriage, right? It's going to be great for your wife. You're being a godly man. Your wife, you know, when you come home, your wife's going to be like, you come here, you godly man. <laughs> I actually can't promise that's going to happen. It might not. <laughs> so he was like, mm-mm, no, he better be really God. He better be Jesus, okay? 
But it does have a, a, a huge impact on, on your life. As you invest, it holds promise for this life. As you're a, a godly friend, think about what that does for those around you. You're an example to them, you know, of what God's like. You know, you're an example to them of, of, of maybe they look on at your family or in your neighborhood. You know, you're being a great neighbor and you're being a godly neighbor. And they're watching your life and they're watching your family. And not perfect. You know you're not perfect. Your family's not perfect. you got issues. But you know what? You're doing your best. You're walking with God and you're reflecting him. And your neighbors are looking on. And they're seeing that there's something different about how you live and how you act and how you, how you do life. And now all of a sudden the impact that that has on their family. Man, that's huge. It holds promise for this life. When you invest in your relationship with God, you can reap the fruit right now. Unlike retirement, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to withdraw. You're not supposed to do, you, you can't have that till later. But, you know, godliness produces fruit right now. There's promise right now. But then the Bible says there's also promise for the life to come. Like, it not only holds promise now. If you invest in your godliness and being like God, but there's also promise for the life to come. Now, what, what is that stuff? I have no idea, actually. I, I don't know what that's going to be. It might be, you know, free ice cream for eternity. I, I don't know what the promise is going to be. It might be backstage pass to the throne room. I, I, I don't know. You know, maybe you get something like that. I don't know what kind of, you know, rewards you get. Maybe you get a hot tub on the porch, you know, for, forever and ever. That's personally what I would want. And I already told you, I've said this like several times in my service, you know what I want. I want a full head of hair is what I, I really want. And I want to be significantly taller. I'm just going to say... I want to tower over most people in heaven. That's, that's my main goal. Um, it's, been a, it's been a short life. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, aren't you glad you came today? But it holds promise for this life and the life to come. As you invest, it makes a huge, huge difference. You know, the, there's another um, powerful verse. And this is, so this was written to, you know, first, first Timothy was the first letter, at least the one that we have from the Apostle Paul, who started so many of the churches in the New Testament. He was radically saved and spread the gospel all over the Gentile world. And then he had this young Timothy, was kind of his, his young Padawan. He was a guy he was raising up, he was teaching, he was showing um, the ways of, of now spreading the gospel and being a church leader and an, eventually an apostle. And so he's teaching him and showing him these things in these letters and encouraging him. And here in 2 Timothy, actually the letter of 2 Timothy, Paul is really old. He's about ready to die. And he's writing this then to Timothy. And this is what it says in chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says this, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Read that again. If you keep yourself pure, like if you invest your life, if you give effort to this, your relationship with God, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master. Now, now no, not perfect, not perfect, but your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. It's an invitation to us not to simply be wood and clay, not for God just to be a, a, an aside to our life, just a part of the pie. No, God wants to be every part of it. He wants you to invest your whole life in him. 
And when you do that, when you give effort to that, now all of a sudden you're like the gold and the silver. Now when God was going to have a special thing that he's going to do, a special event, so to speak, he's going to look around and say, where are the utensils, where are the instruments that I can use that are gold and silver? And can I just tell you, there's nothing like being used by God. There is nothing like being able to share the gospel with someone and see it working in their hearts and for them to eventually come to faith. There's nothing like hearing one of your neighbors talk about how their daughter went to camp, this past camp, and, and say, man, it was incredible, it was amazing, she had an incredible time. Man, if we're going to go any kind of church, we would go to a place like Summit Park. Man, there's nothing like being an instrument of God. It's better than anything that you can have in this life. It's better than any retirement, no matter how big it is. Better than any car, better than any house, better than any vacation. To be used by the creator of the universe. And one of the ways that we can be used by God is that we simply dedicate and commit that I'm going to be a person that gives myself to God. That I'm going to be a person that invests. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to keep investing and keep investing and keep investing. And when God sees that, that's when he says, all right, I'm going to use that person right there. That's the individual I'm going to use. There's nothing like being used by God. I want to encourage you today to start investing in your relationship with God. If you're not right now, if things are just kind of on the sidelines, kind of been complacent, just kind of coming to church, doing the church thing, you know what? God wants way more than that. He wants you. He wants your whole life. He wants your whole soul. And here's the really cool thing. That with the whole Christianity deal, when you give away, you get way more. You know, when you give away your life, you get way more life. You know, but when you hold on to it and you say, no, nah, I'm not going to give God that part of my life. You know, it's like those parts start to die. It starts because the, the source is Jesus. The source is God. But when you give it away, when you invest it, that's when it has opportunity to grow. So don't wait. Start investing today. All right, the second one. Everybody say number two. All right, avoid penalty. Avoid penalty, okay? So I want to encourage you uh, with this, that <laughs> this point can be a little um, discouraging. But I believe it's going to be encouraging for some that maybe are dealing with this. And uh, maybe you can relate to some of the people here. But, you know, if you, if you have a retirement account, if you take the money out early, you get what? Penalized, absolutely. You get penalized. And that's what you don't want. Well, the reality is, in your walk with God, you can get penalized. <laughs> you know, I think about the Israelites. They, were, they came up out of Egypt, and they were in the desert for 40 years. Now, from, from the place, and actually Deuteronomy 1 says this, but from the place that they passed over on the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, from that place to the promised land, to the promised land is an 11-day journey. In fact, let me just read it to you. We can pull it up, pull it up on, the, on the screen here. It says this, it takes 11 days to go from Horeb, which is the Mount Sinai, to uh, Kadesh Barnea by the Mount of Seir Road. I mean, 11 days. They took 40 years to get to the promised land. 40 years. Here's the reality. You can't shorten the process of sanctification, but you sure can make it longer. God, that, you know, for maybe some, for some of you, you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I've got this trial, this difficulty, you know, going on in my life. And God's saying, hey, I want to get your attention. Like, we've gone over this lesson again. Your spouse has told you 15 times you have this issue. You know, it's time to work on this challenge right here. Unless you just want to stay in the desert and do some circles. You know, maybe, maybe for, for some it's like they get a job and they're like, oh, man, my boss is just awful and terrible. 
Another, so they quit, and they get another job. Oh, my boss is job number 10. Man, it's just, I got bad luck. Just my bosses are just terrible, terrible people. And God, it keeps sending you to these jobs with these bosses that are highlighting issues in your own heart. Sometimes what we want to do is we want to project out on others, and we make their issues bigger than they really are, only to hide our own issues behind it. You know, we, we look at their issue and say it's so much bigger than it really is in reality, and we stuff our issue right behind it because we don't want to acknowledge that. But God's saying, you know what, I want you to pay attention to this. This is important. This is a big deal because I don't want you to get penalized. I want you to grow. I want you to get better. I want this, this thing between you and me to only get better and better. I want you to be a utensil that could be used for special occasions. But in order to do that, I need you to pay attention. I need you to listen to me right here. This issue, man, it's not about the issue externally. I want you to look inward, and I will help you. Here's the cool part about God. He's not going to just leave you alone. He's going to help you with those challenges, those issues, that if you'll just have the courage to look inward and say, you know what, I don't want to get penalized. <sighs> okay, God, what are you teaching me here? What are you showing me here? That's how you avoid penalty. And I want to encourage you, don't grow, don't grow weary in, in this whole thing. Because some of you, like, you're, you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with areas in your life that are really challenging. And God sees where you are, and he doesn't expect you to be perfect. And for some, it's like challenging. But you know what? Maybe the, the next best step for you is to get into living free. Because you tried to quit, quit alcohol. You tried to get past it on your own, and you're struggling. And God's saying, I told you right here, living free, you need to get in community. You need to get around people that are going to help you grow in your relationship with me and get past this hurdle that you're in right now. It's penalizing you. It's hurting your relationship with God. But if you'll take this next right step, man, I'll help you. But you got to take it. That's the one thing. That's the contribution. If God could just do it himself, then it's like, okay. You know, like we get saved, we go directly to heaven. There's not this process. But that's not how God set it up. He says, no, there's got to be this, this process. You're saved. Now I'm going to turn you into me. I'm going to make you look like me. They were transformed back into his image. But we got to make sure that we avoid penalty. You know, I, I look at um, this uh, verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul speaking, and um, he's talking about a race. This way he says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the r runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Anyone who competes in the games goes into to do it to get a crown that um, will, will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's not literally saying, hey, beat your body up. He's, he's saying, hey, control your body and the desires that want to do wrong, that want to go against. Because, you know, what? That's the, and the reason God wants us to not give in to those things is because that will penalize ourselves and others. An anger issue out of control is going to impact your family in the same way being godly is going to impact your family in a good way. It can't just impact yourself, but it's going to impact everybody around you. You know, gossip or slander, that's going to impact you and it's going to impact others. And God's saying, hey, stay away from that stuff. You know, let's go on a journey together, but that can't come with us. If you're going to go from glory to glory to glory, I'm not, any, I'm not a part of that stuff. That's a part of your old life, the old ways. As Colossians 3 says, put to death those things. Like get out, get out your spiritual gun and shoot it in the head. It's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. God, you redeemed me. You saved me. You transformed my heart. How could I get back into that? I want to walk away from it. Now, I know sometimes it's not just as easy 
as that. It might be a process, but here's the, here's the, the important part, is that you're making the effort on the journey. I love the saying that we have here, we're imperfect people on an imperfect journey toward a perfect God, but there's movement towards God. There's this desire that we're going to go towards God and we're going to avoid these penalties that are going to slow us down. Maybe you're here today and you know God's putting his finger on something, something you've been dealing with for a while and it's impacting you. And he's like, you keep making withdrawals from our relationship and it's impacting the growth that I want to do in your life and how I want to help you, but you keep withdrawing. And maybe you're saying, man, I just need some help. You can get help. You know, you can get help here at Summit Park, but I encourage you, don't stay where you are. Don't allow the penalty to get Take away what God wants to do in your heart and life. So avoid penalty. All right, this last one here. Don't sell out when times are tough. Don't sell out when times are tough. You guys know the, uh, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? That book, uh, there's, there's a, that author made a quote in a, a podcast. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But he said this. The, oh, the stock, mar- stock market is crashing? Yay, they're having a sale. And here's the reality. Here's how I'm going to relate this. You know, when we're going through challenge and difficulties and trials in our life, that oftentimes, oftentimes is the time that we want to sell out on God. That's when we're tempted to say, man, I'm done with this whole God thing. I'm going through this challenge. Man, is God really around? Is he really real? Like, should I continue to follow God? That's when we're tempted. But the reality is that's when you actually shouldn't sell out, but you should actually lean in and say, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to show me here? What are you trying to do in my heart and my life? This is, it's all over the, the New Testament, but this is what 1 Peter 1, 6 says. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, it kind of brings in that illustration of of metals, of of gold. Maybe you've got a gold ring on. It's probably 14 karat gold, um, not 24 karat gold. So it's not pure gold. But when you look at it, it probably looks like gold. Like it looks, it looks like gold. You might look at your life and say, hey, God, I'm... I'm doing pretty good. Like, everything's, everything's okay. But it's not until you apply a bunch of heat to that 14 karat gold, then all the impurities start to come to the surface. And God uses trial and challenges and difficulties in your life. If you will let him, he'll bring some of those things to the surface. So you're not 14 karat gold. You're actually 24 karat gold, pure gold. That's what he wants. And it's interesting, 14 karat gold is actually brittle, brittle and hard. Like, but 24 karat gold is pure and soft. The same is true of us. When God takes those impurities out of us, then we take a hard heart and turn into something soft. He can take somebody that, that isn't pure and make them and turn them into someone who is pure. I want to challenge you today, like what's God using in your life? Maybe right now you're in a difficulty in a, in a challenging season, maybe you're even saying to God, like, God, did you cause this? Am I going through this because of you? Like, did you cause this to happen? Like, what, what's going on? I think the reality of, of life, if you've lived any amount of life, then you'll know that trials just come and challenges just happen. Like, you just live life and then things are going to take place. Bad things are going to happen. And here's the really cool thing 
about God is that he can redeem those challenges and situations and transform your life. You know, recently, um, Becca and I, we decided to make the decision because gas was, you know, way too expensive. And so we traded in our, our car for um, a hot rod, uh, Toyota Prius. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. You see me rolling around in that. You'll know I'm saving money. Um, so what's really cool on it is, and this is not anything new technology, but it has this deal when you hit the brake that it actually will charge the battery. I mean, you got to brake anyway. You know, you got to stop, you know, stop and go. You got to hit the brake anyway. Somebody thought of the idea, you know what? Let's recapture that. Somebody really smart said, let's recapture that and put that back into the battery, and then they can use that energy later. But that's exactly what God does. You're going to have trials in your life, and he'll literally take those situations and turn them into life because he's so smart. Like he's able to take things that are challenging and difficult, and he's able to turn them around and give you life. Now here's the key, though, if you'll let him. If you'll actually let him do that. Otherwise, it's going to be the wilderness thing. It's going to be circling around in the wilderness. And that's a mindset shift. To where that we have to look at our challenges and circumstances and not just bad things happening. But God, what are you trying to teach me right now? What are you trying to show me? God, what do you want me to learn right now in this challenging circumstance? And with my boss who I feel like is crazy, but God, am I crazy? Like, help me to understand what do you want me to learn? You know what? And it's so amazing. I've seen this in my own life and others' lives. But as soon as we start to surrender and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? Boom, the answer comes. And you know what? You move on to the next thing. <laughs> it's so powerful. It's like, oh, that's what you're wanting me to do. And that's what it was for the Israelites. Oh, that's what you're wanting to teach us, God, so they can move on to the next thing. If they had just been faithful to do that, man, in 11 days, they would have been in the promised land, baby. It'd been amazing. But they had just wasted all of that time in the wilderness. But today, if you'll start investing and you'll avoid those penalties. And then when the chips are down, whenever you feel like, man, things are hard and the temptation is to sell out on God, don't do it. Lean into God and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? You'll find that he'll grow your faith. He'll transform your heart. He'll change you. You'll go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And you think about the impact, man, that could have. Like if we're all doing that, if we're all reflecting God's glory as we go out from this service and we go to our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, now all of a sudden, man, people start to see the glow off of us. Now all of a sudden they see, start to see God reflected. They're not going to pick up a Bible. They're not going to be like, ah, you know what I need to do? I need to go pick up a Bible. They're going to look at you. They're going to look at your life. They're going to look at my life. And that's why this is so important, that we're investing not just for ourselves, but those around us. Man, who can we show God to? Well, and start investing in yourself and your relationship with God. And you watch what he will do. God will do amazing things. In and three, I want to give you three uh, three things just real quick, just tips for uh, pro tips for investing. They're going to go real fast, and uh, the worship team can come. All right, number one is focus on Jesus. You know, in Hebrews uh, twelve one says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer. In other words, he's the one that starts it. He's the perfecter, so he's the one that helps us. But then, what are we supposed to do? Fix our eyes on Jesus. So when you're in the middle of a trial a difficulty, a challenge. That's the moment not to look away from Jesus, but to actually look toward Jesus. Not to run away from God, but to run toward God. The second one is pray to the Father. Pray to the Father. You know, Pastor Scott talked about this at the end of worship, but when Jesus, before he was going to go to the cross, what did he do? He didn't, he didn't get mad at everybody and, and say, oh, I'm done with all of this. He, he submitted to the Father and he prayed. 
He went to the Father and he prayed. He said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's what we have to do in the middle of our trial. I know it can be so painful, so difficult, difficult, and we want to run. We want to, we want to do something. That we want to get off of the, you know, so to speak, the surgery table and say, no, 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 that hurts, that hurts. No, he's the, the doctor, the great physician is helping you in the middle of this trial. It's only going to prolong it. It's only going to make it longer. This, this thing that's in you is going to destroy you, and God's trying to help you. That's the moment to say, okay, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going I'm to go to the Father. I'm going to surrender to him. And what's really powerful about prayer is prayer is powerful because God answers, number one, but also because it places God in our lives where he should be, which is number one. It's saying, I can't, but God, you can. It's when you go to prayer, you're acknowledging your insufficiency, which would be reality. <laughs> and you're saying, God, I acknowledge that you can help me. So I look to you, Father, to help me with this situation. And when he does, when he comes through, man, then all of a sudden you learn the lesson. You learn what God wants to show you. And now you can move on to the next thing. So pray to the Father. This last one, hang around people of faith. Hang around people of faith. You know, this whole idea of, of God working in our lives is interesting to me. You know, especially for people that are really introverted might, might think like, why didn't God just like save us and then we get to do our lives, and we, we individually have a relationship with God, but like, why gather? Why do all, all this stuff? And I can't, I can't just tell you this, that is so critical to the life of a Christian, that we come together. He didn't create it. I mean, while we do have individual relationships with God, but we're the body of Christ. This is all over the New Testament. And here's, here's why, because when you're in the middle of a trial, when you're in the middle of a difficulty, and God's wanting to use that to show you something, to grow you and help you, you're going to want to sell out. But there's going to be somebody that comes along next to you and says, man, don't do it. Man, come on, I'll, I'll help you. I'll pray for you. Maybe your small group will come together. I know many of you have experienced this. Something challenging in your life, and then all of a sudden your, your group says, hey, we'll pray for you. Man, man God's going to work in your heart and life. God's going to help you. And you start to believe that God's going to work, and you trust in him. You know, this is how the church is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be, it's like a healthy relationship. It's not supposed to be codependent to where it absolves us of responsibility. It's not supposed to be independent to where now we're plagued with apathy, but it's supposed to be interdependent. It's that when someone needs prayer, you say, hey, I'll pray for you. And when you raise your hand, when you need prayer, you know, you serve others when it's the moment to serve and you say, there's other moments like, man, I just gotta be honest with you, I need some help. Like, I, I just need some help. There's this interdependence. That's how it's supposed to work. So if you're going through something today, do not be isolated. Speak up. Say, come on. And here in a moment, we're going to have people praying up front. We want to pray with you. That's how we can bear each other's burdens. Don't be ashamed. Come forward when that moment happens. And God's going to work in your heart and your life. And we can be the body of Christ. I encourage you today to invest in your relationship with God. This is God's, all his plan from the very beginning. This was his plan for the Israelites. Revealed himself as Mkadesh. He's the one who sanctifies you. And he's the one that can take us from glory to glory to glory. If you'll choose to say, yeah, I'm in. All right, would you, let's all pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your power and all that you're doing. God, I just pray that you be with us today in this whole idea of of being made holy and sanctified. God, we just thank you for that, that opportunity to be more like you. So God, I pray that you would help us to do that, help us to take that step of faith. I just wanna take a moment with everybody's head bowed, nice closed. Just take a, a quick second here, just 
give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm in on this deal. I want to start investing. Would you just lift up your hand in your, in your relationship with God? You're going to say, I want to start investing. Yeah, come on. This is, the, this is the thing that God wants us to do. Lift up your hand. God's going to see your hand. Man, that's so cool. Lord, you see all the hands that are lifted right now. And God, I'm lifting my hand to say, Lord, I want to continue to invest. I want to continue to give to you. And God, I pray that you would use us for your glory, that we would be an instrument of gold and silver that you can use on special occasions to display your glory, your honor to a lost and hurting world. And so God, we just thank you for all that you're accomplishing and all that you're doing. God, we just pray that you would have your way. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. We have those that are gonna pray for the sick, those that need healing, those that have a need, go ahead and come forward to so the prayer team. You can go ahead and make your way forward. I wanna encourage you that if you are facing something right now that's difficult, a trial, a difficulty that you're going through and experiencing, or if somebody else that you know is going through that, you wanna take a moment to, to pray for them. I wanna encourage you to, to have faith, to trust God, to step out and believe Him for great things. So we're, the rest of us are gonna worship, but if you'd like prayer, go ahead and make your way forward.